and welcome to a, another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Talking to you is the Goshen News Sports Editor Austin Huff with me, Goshen News Sports Reporter Evan Lee Pack. And Evan, we uh, we had some sad news, some sad news break over the uh, the last week or so since we taped this podcast. Um, we mentioned him at the beginning of the last week's podcast. We gave our thoughts and prayers to Jim Hahn, and uh, unfortunately, Jim passed away Thursday night. Uh, at the age of 64 years old, uh, he had been battling cancer for the last year and then had a COVID complication, and uh, he passed away Thursday night. Uh, Chuck Freeby, former best guest of the podcast, uh, he was the first one to uh, report the news of his passing. And uh, yeah, it was, um, I'm not going to lie, I was taken aback when I heard the news. Uh, he, uh, Obviously, Jim had been on our podcast before. We've talked about that. Um, and he's a legend. You know, He's a coaching legend from mm-hmm. this area. So when you have one of those people pass away who is almost a larger-than-life figure, you know, it's, it's tough. So Especially with how big of a figure he is in this community, in this area. I mean, like, like you said, you know, those two state runner-ups in 1988 and 1990 – that's huge. I mean, in this area, to take a basketball team from this area and do that, I mean, that's that's massive. So, mm-hmm. obviously, you met him, so you know him more personally. Right. I never got to meet him. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, it's a huge, huge loss whenever you know, only 64 years old, too. Yeah. So. Young. It still feels young. You know, 64 isn't, like, young, young, right? But it mm-hmm. still feels young, you know, to, to, to go. Um, so, yeah, Han... Han, he, you know, not only was he a great coach, he played at Penn High School, was a great player, started all four years at Ball State. Uh, he's in the Ball State Athletics Hall of Fame, the Concord Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, only coached 11 years, uh, 83 to 94 with the Minutemen, went 203 and 68, won four NLC championships, six sectionals, four regionals, two semi-states. I, obviously, we talked about the two uh, state runner-up appearances, 1988-1990, had three Indiana All-Stars that he coached in Sean Kemp, Jamar Johnson, and Jeff Massey, seven future Division One players that he got to coach, um, has the state record for 61 straight home wins at one point during that stretch. McCune Gym was literally a place you went to lose. Like, that's just what happened. Like, Maybe the most iconic game in that gym was when number one Warsaw came into town in 1990 season, and Concord was like number four in the state, and the Minutemen beat them by 31. It was wow. a total boat racing of uh, the Tigers that place night. was probably packed. It I'm was sure. packed. Yeah, Chuck Chuck Freebie has told me before that he did a stand up, a live stand up when he was working for WNDU at the time, and he says he still doesn't remember what he said. He has no idea what he said in that because it was so loud in there he couldn't hear himself. Like, that's why they won by. I mean, that's yeah, a big reason they won yeah. by thirty one. So yeah, so. he was. Uh, yeah, that place when it was going, man, it was it was a sight to see from you know everyone that tells me and. Obviously, falls short twice in the state championship games, you know, Muncie Central in 88 and Bedford North Lawrence in 1990. But, you know, they were one of the two teams that played in the most attended high school basketball game in the history of this country. 41,000 people at the Hoosier Dome that night to watch BNL and Concord play for the 1990 state title. Both games were really competitive, weren't they? Yeah. Both. Well, Muncie Central one was a blowout, but... But the, the other one was... I mean, obviously, right. I've seen the uh, yeah. seen the replay. <laughs> they had their chances there at the end, just didn't cash in. Yeah. It's... uh, 
yeah, he, he had four shots at the in the final 10 seconds to tie the game, which is just unheard of. I'm sure the Bedford North Lawrence people were like, grab a rebound, you know? So right, yeah. also it was a charge on Bill Much. We've already established that. Um, I don't think it was a block, but Damon Bailey is the greatest, arguably the greatest high school player in state history. And uh, he's going to get that call probably late in the game. And Bill Much has uh, said, told me last year for my story that, yeah, when uh, in hindsight, I'm okay with it because Damon Bailey had earned that call, basically. Like, Damon Bailey was not going to get that called against him in that moment. Basketball refs, man. I know. The worst. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> they are the worst. Uh, well, really, like, he was 203 and 68 in 11 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had all this success. It's just crazy that he only coached for 11 years. Right. And I, I kind of talked about that a little bit. I wrote a column over the weekend after his passing that I think he should be in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, you once you win 75% of your games as a head coach. Um, you know, went to two state championship games. No coach from this county has ever done that before. He's the only Elkhart County head coach to do that. Um, combined with his playing career at Ball State, and at Penn High School, I mean, he has all the accolades to be inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. If if he had coached, you know, even 20 seasons, you know, who knows how many more wins he would have gotten. You know, they still won a sectional championship three years after he left, so it wasn't like the, the talent dried up or anything once he left. You know, they still had some talented players and some good teams, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So Yeah, you really – built that program obviously right they had they were pretty much non-existent in the grand scheme of things you know and obviously too a guy like Sean Kemp comes through and that changes a lot of things for Mm -hmm. your program but also as um athletic director Dave Preheim pointed out you know um it takes a certain special coach to be able to manage that you know all the attention that a player like Sean Kemp brings Right. With all the media and colleges visiting and, you know, was Kemp going to go to the NBA draft? Right. Like there was a lot of attention and buzz around him. And then same thing with the 1990 team, you know, when they have two, you know, future Division One players, Jamar Johnson, Jeff Massey, Bill Much goes play Division One baseball at Michigan State. So that's another D1 athlete like, you know, there's a lot of personalities and talent and attention to manage, and Jim did a masterful job of that in those two seasons, those three or four years in general when he had all that talent there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, not many coaches can do that. So, right. and Jim was able to. So, Obviously, you've you had him on the podcast. You know him a little, obviously, better than I do. You've talked to him about stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did he get into after his basketball coaching career? Because – You'd think that he could have done that for like maybe 30, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was young at the time too. Yeah, wasn't he? right. He well, he went on to work at uh, Welsh Packaging. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, company in town. He was a salesman there for twenty six years actually. So he's been doing that ever since he hung up the whistle, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, apparently he was great at his job too. Every everything I've said or seen, read about him and his time at Welsh Packaging has been nothing but great. He was great to work with uh great to his clients you know as a salesman and things like that and uh yeah he's he he was pretty successful at everything he did basically in life Mm -hmm. uh whether it was coaching playing basketball being a salesman um and even just being around him for an hour you could tell just by his personality just you know he, he had a great personality 
I, I'd buy stuff from him. He could have sold me some packaging stuff. I've been like, sure. I don't know if I need it, but like, I'll buy it. You know, so well, I could I could tell where he where, where, where like the salesman in him was. You know, so get uh, you some uh, grape juice coupons, maybe. <laughs> you know? Maybe I don't know. Um, but obviously, with a figure like Jim, a lot of tributes poured in uh, from people, whether it be on social media, and I, I reached out to a lot of former players. Um, I wanted to read one that I uh, that stuck out to me the most. Uh, it was a text message that Mike Swanson shared with me. Uh, Mike was on the 1990 state runner-up team as a starter. He actually guarded Damon Bailey uh, for most of that 1990 championship game, so he drew that that tough defensive uh, battle of the all-time leading scorer in state history. Hmm. Um, Mike texted Jim's phone number right after Jim passed on Thursday night. Uh, and he said, quote, Coach, I'm hurting so much right now. I really needed to talk to you again. I can't believe you're gone. I will never forget when you walked me from one end of the court to the other by my neck telling me I needed to forget about missing that free throw in the state game. I wish I could hear one more of your motivational speeches. You were more than a coach. You were a mentor, a father, a brother, and best friend. You were the reason we were so successful. You made us want to run through a brick wall and win for you. Thank you, Coach, for everything you have done for all of us who played for you. We will always believe because of you. And he put believe in all caps. That was their slogan in the 89-90 season, believe. Um, it's a nice touch. Yeah. You can really feel his emotions through yeah, those words. Yeah, I know. It, I, I read that uh, when Mike texted me that. I almost I almost had to contain the emotions myself. Just It was very powerful when you read that. You know, that, that to me indicates how impactful Jim Hahn was truly. Uh, right in the community, so and on his players as well. You could tell that these players loved playing for him. So definitely. Yeah. And I had obviously I looked through that story too. I mean, the biggest one that stood out to me was that first tweet from his brother. Obviously, yeah. a family member. So sad. That's that's hitting home hardcore. I mean, he said, "Quote: Great day to be alive. Count your blessings." I mean, right there, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. If you're praying, you're not worrying. If you're worrying, you're not praying. God took my brother. He is now with my mom and dad. He left us peacefully and not suffering. God bless you, Jim. Rest in peace is what he said. So, I mean, you can just you can just feel that. I mean, it's just obviously a tweet. You can't. There's only so many characters in a tweet, but he said it all in that in that 240 characters there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jim. But, uh, sorry, what, you want to? Do, do you have more you want to say, uh, Evan? I didn't want to cut you off there. No, obviously, like you you talked to like multiple of uh-huh. his former players and I also took a I'll read Bill Much's text from your story as well he said I quote I will say on behalf of every player that we are broken Thursday was a day filled with tears our praise prayers go out to his family and his co-workers he was loved by anyone who knew him and he will be missed for a lifetime so strong words from Bill Much as well yeah yeah it was a lot of a lot of great reactions or you know a lot of emotional reactions I don't know if I should call them great but a lot of emotional reactions. Uh, Jim Hahn, you know, Dave Preheim said Jim Hahn was basically the face of Concord High School, you know, during that era, during that time. And, uh, you know, it'd be hard pressed to argue against that. You know, he was, he was one of the, you know, premier coaches in the state, you know, during that era. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, just a sad, sad news all around. Um, so at this time, I, I would like to take a moment of silence uh, to honor Jim uh, and all of the things that he accomplished and did 
once again, Jim Hahn uh, passed away on Thursday at the age of 64 years old. And at this moment, uh, I'd like to take a moment of silence to honor uh, his legacy. Thank you. Okay, we got through that. That's tough, man. That's always tough mm-hmm. when someone like that passes. I enjoyed getting to talk about him, though. Yeah, I did, to share I did too. I did too. Loved ones and Jim's a great players. man, man. Jim's a great man, and uh, no, uh, they will. They'll be doing a celebration of life later, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But no one can really do. There's no uh, open visitation or anything for his uh, funeral because of COVID restrictions and things like that so just family members but they will do a celebration of life in the future so just wanted to mention that before we move on um so let's talk about some good things we had some good news happen this week i promise um softball westview westview softball is the cc tournament champs uh they picked up 1-0 wins over churubusco and fairfield last week and then capped it off with the monday night Tournament championship victory over Prairie Heights. Evan, you were out there covering that. And uh, Alexis Antel, need I say more at this enough, point? Enough said. <laughs> enough said. Enough said. Uh, yeah. Now, that yeah. place was uh, place was popping last night. Place was filled. I don't know. Obviously, you can only fill so many people at a softball park, field, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. But uh, there's a lot of people there So for both sides. So, But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun environment. It was a fun game. Alexis Antle obviously was fantastic. The first two games, like you said, Cherubusco and Fairfield won nothing. She pitched all 15 innings, obviously, of those games. Gave up just three hits, obviously no runs, and she had 33 strikeouts in those first two games. Right. So you don't need run production <laughs> right. when you have a pitcher doing that type of stuff. Right. Obviously, against Prairie Heights, she she gave up a two-run home run, but I think we can look past that. <laughs> she only gave up two hits the whole game. But uh, thankfully for her, her uh, her teammates got going a little bit. They scored eight runs, six of them in the third inning. So that was that, obviously that was the biggest difference there in that game. Mm-hmm. And twenty strikeouts. Yeah, twenty strikeouts. So that's 50. there's only twenty one outs in a game. <laughs> yeah, she struck out twenty of them. Like yeah, she gave up a few walks, and that home run, and the rest of it were strikeouts. So that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. They are. Uh, NECC tournament champions, like I said, first time since 2007. 14 years, yep. Yeah. I wish I could have, uh, should have looked up what the number one song was in 2007 at this time. We could have, like, done a comparison. That would have been funny. Yeah. Jeremy Williams, though, head coach of Westview. Big fan. Big yeah. fan of his team. <laughs> I, he, uh, he talked a little bit about it last night, how he thinks this team has the mentality that other Westview teams might not have had. So, so that's... He, he also said that he doesn't want them to, you know, celebrate. Obviously, it's a big accomplishment. You know, enjoy it. But they have bigger fish to fry in the future, if you will, with, you know, possible sectional championship, overall right. conference championship, and beyond maybe. Mm-hmm. And with the way with the way they hit last night, I mean, if they hit like that, score runs like that with Alexis Antle on the circle, right. that's all you need. They could yeah. – that I mean, that could take them pretty deep into the postseason. So. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about the sectional brackets in a minute here, but just kind of finishing it up on Westview. Like, when you have a pitcher like Antel, you know, obviously it's been proven you only need to get one run, two runs max, and you could win the game, you know. So to have an offense that could could score seven, eight, 
in a game with her in the circle. I mean, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a really tough out. Um, you know, that sectional is probably the best, one of the best in the area for sure in softball, and especially in class two, um, 2A. But, yeah, when they play like that, they play like how they played Monday night the rest of the season, like that's – they're going to be really tough to beat. Even, you know, Fairfield, who's playing really well, also in their sectional, like that's that's tough, you know. I mean, she shut down their lineup, and mm-hmm. I've seen Fairfield a few times, and they can they can score, they can hit. So for yeah. them to score nothing, you know that yeah. Antle is the real deal, yeah. so that, to speak. That, uh, the rise ball she throws, that Antel throws, that's what really threw off the Fairfield batters uh, when I was there Friday for the semifinal game. And uh, – they couldn't lay off that high cheese, man. It was tough. They were swinging at the ball at their eyes all all game. And it's tough to lay it off, man, when it's right there. You know, it's right. It's a softball, too, so it's even bigger. Because it looks like, good, but then obviously right, it rises. So. Right. It's so oh, yeah, uh, that's that's why it's called a rise ball. Yeah. Uh, no no way, really. <laughs> Is that what John Skivy said? <laughs> Probably not. Did, did he, did no. you, are you quoting him with the, no. high, the high cheese? No, I said that. Okay. I just said that, so... It was high cheese. So, um, so yeah, NECC softball tourneys wrapped up. Warriors are the champs. Uh, West Noble actually suffered their first loss in the tournament. Lost to Prairie Heights. It was a close game, 7-4. Seven seven four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are 9-1-1, one, one, ranked 10th in 3A still as West Noble. So, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. There, there are some good softball teams here that could make – you know, some runs potentially in this uh, tournament. So they play Westview on May 17th. Should be a good one. So we'll see how good West Noble is mm-hmm. after that, you know. Should be a good one. So, and uh, I believe West Noble and Fairfield still have to play later this year. Yeah, I don't think they've played. Fairfield's good as well. And they had a good run in the NACC tournament. Obviously, they didn't win it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, beating Eastside and Central Noble, two good teams in, right. in pretty close competitive games, mm-hmm. that's huge moving forward. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's run down the sectional brackets. How about that? What do you think? Sounds great. <laughs> let's do it. Let's, uh, since we're talking softball, let's just start with softball. Um, the IHSCA released the sectional brackets uh, Sunday night, Sunday night, really early. This is the uh, earliest they've ever released them for baseball and softball, I think. Uh, Why the, do you think that is? Well, the guy hosting the uh, bracket show said that they did not want to do it this upcoming Sunday because of Mother's Day. And then they also wanted to do them early in advance so schools can plan around graduations, you know, if they have prom still or home, not homecoming, but, you know anything else to want to plan around mm-hmm. at the end of the school year. So they came out with them now so that way schools can plan, you know, around, you know, instead of having only a week to do it, now they have three weeks to plan around, you know, end of school year festivities and things like that. So I guess that makes sense then. Yeah, uh, I guess. So <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess. Um, and you'll notice that with the schedule too, like all four sectionals in softball and our baseball ones all have different, like, set schedules basically um so probably because of all the different moving pieces with graduation and whatnot yeah, um if you look at it i mean you got monday wednesday friday you know monday tuesday friday tuesday thursday saturday yeah it's all, it's and all then, different times and then the 1a1 is monday tuesday thursday friday saturday wow lakewood park christian i don't think they have lights at their softball field so they can only play one game a day so every game's at five o'clock monday tuesday thursday friday saturday what do you champion. think the percentages 
of the area, like softball and baseball fields that have lights. This doesn't seem like very. I many. would say it's more than I remembered. I I would say it's probably closer to sixty percent. Really? Yeah. I mean, most so of them. Why do. would they? Why didn't they play somewhere else? I don't know. Lights? I don't make the rules, man. I don't. I don't make the rules. I just tell them. I just go where they say that where they're hosting them. So. Uh, let's quickly run through some of the uh, the breakdown here. Softball sectional, Class 4A, Sectional 4. This will be at Northridge's brand-new softball complex. Uh, first game, Monday night, Goshen at 11-6 against Warsaw, who is 7-4. and four. Uh, And then they will play the winner of uh, – the winner of that game will play Elkhart on Wednesday in the semifinal. The other first-round matchup features uh, Northridge – or I guess it's a semifinal game technically – the, it's a rematch of the sectional championship from two years ago. Northridge against Concord. Uh, the Raiders look really darn good right now. 14-1-1. Their one loss is by three to Penn, which is a – I mean, that's a pretty good loss. Uh, and uh, they are the favorites on paper. They, Warsaw gave them a game last week. It was only 7-6, to six, Northridge over Warsaw. Warsaw is probably the second-best team in the sectional, Goshen obviously playing well too, so you can't sleep on the Red Hawks. Um, it's going to be an interesting sectional, but Northridge is definitely the favorite, especially on that home field. So don't sleep on the Red Hawks. Don't sleep on them. That's what you said about <laughs> every the, team. The boys, <laughs> the boys, Goshen basketball team. Don't sleep on them. Don't Just saying, and then they scored like two points against Penn. So, um, yeah. Any any observations from that one or no? Well, you know, obviously Concord and Elkhart. Kind of struggling this year. They're not doing very well, um, so you can't expect them to go very far in, in, in this section with teams like Goshen and Northridge in it. Elkhart does have the bye, though. You know, they lucked out with the bye. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's probably going to be a one and done. But, I mean, honestly, Goshen and Warsaw is probably going to be a really close game, mm-hmm. I would imagine, the way yeah. it's because if Warsaw gave Northridge a game, that would be a tough game for Goshen. I mean, I like Goshen and Northridge to make the championship. Obviously, this is Northridge's sectional to lose at this point. They're yeah, probably they're expected, obviously, to mm-hmm. you know get through the sectional and make it to regionals. We thought the same thing about the boys' basketball team, right? So you never know, I guess. Right. But this Northridge team is uh, a tier above as far as the rest of the teams in the in the mm-hmm. sectional. Probably, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, let's move on. Sectional twenty-one, class three softball, another five-team one. Uh, the two, maybe the two best teams on uh, in this section will open it up. West Noble and Northwood uh, will play Monday, the 24th. And then uh, Tuesday, the 25th, will be the semifinal games. Wallasey and Lakeland. And then Jimtown plays the West Noble-Northwood winner. Uh, Friday night, 28, 6 o'clock championship game. Uh, this is all at Jimtown, by the way. Uh, West Noble is the best team in the sectional on paper. Uh, they're the only winning team with a winning record as well right now, and uh, they will have to win three games to win the sectional because, sure, blind draw in Indiana, let's do it, you know. Um, this is also kind of like Northridge. This is the Chargers to lose probably, but mm-hmm. Northwood's playing well. I'm not going to say don't sleep on them because that's what I always say, but Northwood is playing better. Uh, I've never, I haven't seen Jimtown, uh, Wallace and Lakeland scuffling, but maybe Kirsten Roos just hits eight home runs in two games and wins it for them. You never know. <laughs> yeah. But West yeah. Noble's easiest game would be in the championship. In theory, right. Because Wallace C and Lakeland, Wallace C or Lakeland is guaranteed to play for a sectional championship. 
Wallace is currently 2-14-1. Lakeland is currently 1-8. Kirsten Roos, she has to take over. They yeah. better throw her in the circle, too. <laughs> she might have to at this point. Um, we talked about a little bit sectional 35, class 2A with Westview. Uh, first game there is Tuesday the 25th, LaVille Central Noble. Thursday the 27th of the semifinals, Prairie Heights against Westview, so a rematch there. Uh, should be a good one. And then Fairfield plays the LaVille Central Noble winner. And then the championship game, Saturday, May 29th at noon. Uh, this is all at Westview. So at Westview on Saturday, May 29th, you're going to have the softball sectional final at noon, and you're going to have baseball sectional semifinals at like 10 a.m., or 11 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. So busy day over in Topeka that night. So Definitely. Yeah. That's uh, the most competitive. Yeah, this is, this is a real – in theory, it should be Fairfield-Westview, but Central Noble has beat Westview this year. That's one of their two losses. Prairie Heights, obviously, is playing well as well. They beat West Noble uh, this past week. So, And Fairfield, you know, they look good. They have the best record on paper. Westview just beat them. And this feels like a, a crapshoot, you know, for really the most part. Really wide open, yep. Like I like, any, uh, who do I like? Who do I like for the championship? We don't have to make predictions <clears throat> yet. We got three weeks, but Why if you not? want to, go right ahead. Yeah, you're right. We should I like Fairfield. I like Fairfield Westview. Mostly because that'd be nice for our coverage area. Yeah. We're guaranteed a regional champion, a regional placer at that point. Central Noble is probably going to beat LaVille, and then they'll have a rematch with Fairfield mm-hmm. from the NECC tourney. And that was a close game. Central yep. Noble was winning. So, I mean, th- I mean, Central Noble, in theory, could, you know, knock off Fairfield. So, it really just depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be a good sectional. And, uh... No offense to Class 1A Sectional 51, but it's kind of the polar opposite. <laughs> That's one that's about the polar opposite. Uh, as it stands, none of these teams are above 500. Uh, this is the weird sectional where there's one game a day. Uh, Bethany Christian, Elkhart Christian started Monday. Uh, Bethany and Elkhart just split a weekend, like doubleheader basically. Bethany won Friday, Elkhart Christian won Saturday. So rubber match in the sectional opener out there. On the 24th, 25th is Fort Wayne, Canterbury, and Fremont. Uh, then those two winners will play Thursday, uh, the 27th. Friday, the 28th, is Lakewood Park Christian against Hamilton, which has played one varsity game this year and lost 26-1. to And uh, Saturday, 5 p.m., the 29th, championship game, it will be Lakewood Park Christian against whoever comes out of the top half of that bracket. Um, none of these teams are above 500. Canterbury has the best record I could find at two and two. Uh, most of these teams, I don't think, had their max preps updated, so the records, I uh, don't know. Yeah, it's bad. Um, Bethany's two and three. I know that because the coach told me they were two and three. So let's uh, give the edge to the Bruins then. I hope. How about uh, you that? know what? For our sanity, let's go Bruins, right? Yeah. Um, let's go to baseball, and there are uh, a couple interesting sectionals over here in the baseball world. Uh, we'll start at the Class 4A Sectional 4 at Northridge. Uh, first game, of course, uh, Goshen draws Penn uh, to start on Thursday, May 27th, which is just, you know, fitting that, you know, Red Hawks are having a nice season so far this year, and they're going to get rewarded by playing State Powerhouse Penn in the first uh, game of the sectional. So, Penn must play some pretty good teams if they're 10-6. and six. Yeah, they play a lot of the state out of a lot of teams in the Indy area, they go play Carmel and they go play, you know, all those teams down there. And 
things like that. So their record is a little misleading, but they're starting to figure it out, it seems like. They're starting to play better. So that kicks off the May 27th uh, festivities, and then Elkhart and Concord follow. Uh, Elkhart beat Concord 22-1 to last week. So I don't think Concord will be – I'm assuming Concord will pitch, you know, one of their better pitchers. You know, some of those midweek non-conference games, you're not pitching your best guys, right? Yeah. But 22-1, you know. It would be closer the second time. I, I would hope it's closer. Um, and then Saturday, the 29th, is when the semifinal games take place. So the Goshen Penn versus Elkhart Concord winner uh, play the first game. And then Northridge – plays Warsaw in the second game that day, and the championship is Memorial Day at 11 a.m. So, um, on paper, you know, Northridge Penn should be the final. Uh, these are Those are two of the best teams traditionally in this area. Um, Northridge beat Penn in the sectional two years ago over at the old Elkhart Memorial High School. And, uh, you know, as long as the Raiders don't, you know, stumble over their own, over their own feet, I mean – the bracket is set up nice for them. They play Warsaw, who's three and eight, and then you you know can in theory rest your best players, your best pitcher. I mean Carter Gilbert could potentially just hold him till Monday because your their pitching staff is pretty good to, even after Gilbert. So, um, right. Some interesting strategy will be going on there for Northridge, I'm sure, against Warsaw. So I'd give Goshen the wild card position if they weren't starting with Pin in the mm-hmm. sectional. That's tough. Yeah, Reese Fisher is going to have to pitch that first game for them, which is tough. You know, he's going to have to pitch that Thursday and hopefully he pitches efficiently enough, and if they win, then they can bring him back and pitch him as much as he can on Monday too. Right. And if, if potentially in a final because he can't pitch on that thir- – you cannot pitch on that Saturday by the rules of the IHSA. You cannot pitch, you know, at, like within three days. It depends on how many pitches you threw the day before or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, on paper, Northridge should be the favorite. And, you know, Northridge, both Northridge teams, they have the advantage of playing on that turf. You know, they practice on that turf every day. It's a brand-new complex if you're not used to it, right? I mean, we, we were there and saw Angola baseball, you know, throw it around the yard, didn't know how to field a grounder on that thing at times. It's it's tricky, man. It's a tough it's a tough field surface to get used to. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the sectional. That sectional is always intriguing every year, especially with Penn and Northridge in there. So, uh, let's go to 3A, 20, sectional 21 at Wawasee, another 16-1. Uh, first game is Wednesday, May 26th, Jimtown, Tippecanoe Valley. Uh, and then Lakeland, Wawasee play Thursday, the 27th. Uh, Wawasee's playing well right now. They've won uh, four of five. Four of five, yes, four of five. That is correct, yep. Mm-hmm. They just beat Concord on Monday. Uh only loss was to Goshen when Reese Fisher pitched pretty well for Goshen, which he has been doing all year. So yep. Only gave up one run. Yeah. So. And uh, and then those two winners will play Saturday at uh, in this first semifinal game. And then Northwood, who goes into this sectional with the best record as of now at 10-3, will play the team with the worst record as of now, West Noble, 0-12, uh, in the second semifinal game on that Saturday morning. Championship game is scheduled for Memorial Day at 11 a.m. Uh, on paper, Northwood should get to the final. And, you know, they're kind of in a similar situation as Northridge where they could maybe, you know, rest some guys, potentially save some arms. I, I mean, no disrespect to West Noble, Sheila's alma mater, but they are struggling this year. 
Um, and uh, Owen 12 says it, you know, so it will be interesting. It's going to be, you know, how that plays out. You know, the, the top half of that bracket's, you got four teams, three teams really that are all close to each other. Jimtown, Tippy Valley, Wawasee. Lakeland's kind of struggling this year. They're three and nine right now, but, you know, Wawasee eight and six, Tippy Valley five and six, Jimtown six and one. You got some good teams up there, some teams that could probably win two games and get to a sectional final and take your chances against Northwood. But as of right now, the Panthers are the favorite in that sectional, I think. And they're set up. Set up to win it because of the fact that they only have to win one game to get the championship, and it's against West Noble. So, like I said, their their pitching isn't going to be an issue. They're gonna they're gonna be able to pitch whoever they want. So that's that's big key for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we'll go to Class Two A Sectional Thirty Five. Uh, six teams there as well. Six teams in all of our baseball sectionals, I should say. Uh, Laville and Bremen get it started on that Wednesday, the twenty sixth. Central Noble and Prairie Heights play after them that night. Uh, those two winners will play Saturday morning, followed by uh, Fairfield and Westview uh, in the second semifinal game, and the championship game there is noon on Monday the 31st, Memorial Day. Uh, on paper, Fairfield and Westview get nice draws. They are currently 3-9 and nine and 1-9, and nine respectively, and uh, so one of them will be playing for a sectional championship on the 31st uh, over in Topeka. So uh, currently no one over 500 in that sectional Prairie Heights is probably the best team of those six from just seeing scores and from, you know, throughout the area this year. Um, but that feels wide open, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Fairfield has Alec Hirschberger, who will probably pitch that Saturday morning. You know, and if, he, if he's dominant, they're going to play for a sectional championship, you know. If he throws a no-hitter, they might lose because he's thrown two of those this year and they've lost both games. So, go right. figure. Just um, need some run production. Right. If they get any sort of offense, they got a cha- good chance to win that game. Uh, yeah. So, we're, we're guaranteed to have one of our coverage area teams playing there on that Monday. So, that's nice, I guess. Someone's going to do a nice double dip of uh, on that Saturday of covering Westview, potentially the softball sectional final and then running over to cover the baseball sectional semifinal. So... A lot of Fairfield Westfield. You love. or me? Maybe me Steve. Maybe, maybe Steve Croft. Steve. I don't know. True. I'll flip a coin and see what happens. So, can't wait to see. Mm-hmm. I know that schedule's coming out soon. I'm trying to put it. Trying to think <laughs> about putting it together right now. We'll see how much I can get done before I lose my mind. Because um, there's so many contingencies with sectionals. You know, if teams win. If teams don't win, right. you know. So, uh, then lastly, sectional 51, 1A over at Fremont. Uh, this sets up potentially for Bethany Christian and Fremont to play in the final, which is good. You want that. These are the two best teams in that sectional. Game one is Bethany Christian, 7-1 and one against Fort Wayne Canterbury, who is 1-5 on that Thursday, the 27th. Uh, the second game is Elkhart Christian against Blackhawk Christian, uh, also that Thursday night. Those two winners play each other on the Saturday morning. Uh, ECA is two and six. Bethany just beat them twice this past weekend. Yep. So they have a you know good good there. And then second semifinal game is Fremont and Lakewood Park Christian that, that Saturday with the final Monday May thirty first eleven a.m. So all sectional finals are on Memorial Day for baseball, softball. Obviously, is a little different depending on the schools. Um, but traditionally in the state, sectional finals have always been around Memorial Day at least in recent years. So, there I you wonder, go. I wonder how good uh, 
Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian is. Yep, no record listed anywhere. Couldn't find them on Game Changer, Max Preps. They're usually all right, I think, but... Fremont uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, Fremont's always good. Their record is a little misleading because they play a tough schedule. They're going to play a lot of bigger schools. But they just uh, they just ended up... Uh, they went to the NECC tournament final in baseball. They lost to Eastside, who's also very good. Um, so, you know, quality loss on their side. You know, no shame in losing to Eastside right. in baseball. So... So, yeah, those brackets will start on Monday, May 24th with the softball. Baseball starts on the Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, softball regionals, June 1st. Semi-state, June 5th. State finals the next weekend. Baseball regional, June 5th. So, uh, semi-state, June 12th. And the state finals are on Monday and Tuesday, June 21st and 22nd. Uh, so, here we go. Tournaments are beginning. Uh, we talked about it before we went on the air. NLC uh, Boys and Girls Track Championship is next Tuesday. NECC Track Tournaments are next week. Uh, NLC and NECC Girls Tennis Tournaments are next week. And then the week after that, you have the Girls Tennis Sectional. You have NEC, NLC, NECC and NLC Golf Championships on the 22nd. Um yeah. Why do they do this? It doesn't <laughs> stop. It doesn't stop for, for about four weeks now. Uh, this is a, this is where we make our money, right? This is where we, uh, you know, don't get much sleep and make, you know, we do a lot of work. But this is, this is, I'm excited personally. We sleep in June. We do sleep in June. June 2nd specifically. June 2nd when there's nothing on the schedule. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Let's run through a couple quick things here before we, before we wrap it up. Uh, boys golf over the weekend. Goshen breaks through, wins an invitational at Wawasee. Shot of 336 to win by 12 shots. Chase Meyer, the medalist with a 77, won on a second hole tiebreaker over Tyler Frazier from Northridge. Um, Goshen, Lakeland, and Northridge have all won invites on consecutive weekends here. All three of those teams are in the sectional, along with Northwood and Concord. And all three of those teams are kind of very similar in skill, could all win that sectional. Three teams from the sectional get out. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be an interesting sectional with a lot of good competitive teams. It's at Meadow Valley, so in theory that should favor Northridge. It's their home course. They've probably played it more than anybody. But also, you know, I'm sure players from Goshen and Northwood and Concord have played. Right, right. they've played Meadow Valley, uh, you know, as many times before in the past, so. Should be interesting. I'm, I'm actually kind of it's an interesting boys golf season. Um, you know, I don't know if any of our teams are capable of getting to the state tournament necessarily, but it makes the sectional really interesting when everyone's competitive. And then the regional, you know, we'll see what happens. So Right. Usually individuals, like because golf is obviously it's a team right. sport, but it's individual. So in theory, some individual people from these teams could make it to right. state. Chase Meyer could easily go. He's consistently the probably the best player, uh, shooting low numbers uh, for our coverage area at this point. So he, he has a good chance to make it out as an individual. Um, you know, some Northridge guys, some Northwood kids too. Earl Williams at Northwood could could shoot low and go. That sound, that's kind of funny, kind of rhyme. Shoot low and shoot go. Shoot low and go. Um, Sean Hogan two years ago from Northwood was one shot away from going to state as an individual. So... It's not out of the realm of possibility that kids could get down to state. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I bet you I just know if any of our full teams will go because usually that regional at Swan Lake 
and Plymouth pulls the Fort Wayne schools in, so it's tough to kind of get around them because they're usually some of the better teams in the state, you know, from Fort Wayne. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before I kind of uh, finish up with uh, one more nugget? You can go with your nugget because this has been it's been it's been a very good podcast. It's, it's, been, been, it's long, been a longer one. Well, a little longer. longer. I mean, you know, we had we had to pay our respects to Jim. You know, I had had to give Jim Han his, his rightful uh, dedication. So that is true. So that um, made it run a little longer for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to make mention one more thing. Uh, Brad Dirksen, the Northwood boys soccer coach, is resigning from his position after 24 seasons. Uh, the program has only been around for 26 years, so he's pretty much been their only coach in history. wasn't their first coach, but it's been their obviously their longest tenured coach um, yep. by by default almost. Might as um, well be the only coach, you know. Yeah, 24 he, of 26 years. Right. He went 194, 175, and six across that span. This past year was the highlight year for them. They went 15, four, and three. They won a sectional championship. It was their sixth sectional sixth sectional championship that's a mouthful um first ever regional championship was this year as well and they went to the semi-state game played powerhouse fort wayne canterbury they are one of the most tradition rich soccer programs in the state uh got to a shootout lost one nothing in the shootout or three two i guess technically in the shootout to make it a one nothing game right overall um this was the best season they've probably ever had in that regard um he is leaving indiana as a whole moving to your neck of the woods uh in florida winter haven kind of near your hometown polk county polk county yeah um 20 minutes from where i grew up he will be taking over a new school horizon high school as their soccer coach i i'm not 100 percent confident if he'll be teaching down there as well i would assume so he teaches English currently at Northwood High School, uh, so you know I've uh, I've enjoyed my interactions with Brad. He's always been good to me. Uh, he's a class guy. I mean, everyone that I've talked to, you know, about him has just said he's a great guy. Norm Sellers, uh, the athletic director, the retiring athletic director at Northwood, sent me kind of a statement today. I asked him for a statement, and he talked about how, you know, Brad helped him basically learned soccer <laughs> when Norm became AD. He had never worked really with soccer, and, you know, Norm, Brad kind of helped him learn soccer, I guess, um, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, he was always uh, always good to the media, always let me come to a practice if I needed to, you know, talk to him, take photos, whatever, especially during the, pl- the postseason run, you know, that they just went on. Um, so, good coach, big shoes to fill. I mean, when you – guy who basically – is the program mm-hmm. right? It's big shoes to fill, um, and also shout out to his uh, assistant coach uh, Egbert Dykstra as well. The guy's been an assistant for all 24 years too with Brad. Like that's pretty awesome. Like that's you know they've been a one-two coaching punch. I don't know what Egbert's going to do now. He has to go down to Winter Haven. <laughs> so yeah, he might have to go to Winter Haven, right? Well, Egbert's a little older, so he might have to, you know he he could retire to Florida. So. I like Egbert, but you know he's a he's a nice guy. Uh, but yeah, so congrats to Brad on the new job. I'm excited for him and his new adventure. And uh, you know we're missing North uh, Northern Indiana, man. They're missing is a big coach. You know, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the area. Period. So he's, he's gonna have to get used to that uh, weather. The mm-hmm. highs are in the low 90s. I'm sure he's today. gonna be okay. I'm low sure he's 90s. gonna be okay. The humidity. 
It's yeah. going to be a big adjustment. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. He's going to really suffer down there in the heat. So. He might. Yeah. This isn't sarcasm. I, I'm i being sarcastic. It kind of isn't a fun time probably to play soccer in that kind of weather. Tough But life. they play, they play you know, in the, in the fall, so or the winter. They mm-hmm. play in the winter? I think they play in the winter. So it'll be fine. I don't know. I've never been to Florida for high school soccer before, so. Winter or spring? One of those. So it's cold. So he's going to be fine. All right. Yeah. That's I'm I'm done talking oh, about the Florida the Florida weather. Are we yes. good? Okay. Are we done? Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? I do not. This was a great uh, podcast today. Yeah, I think, I think it, it was, was pretty, fun. I think it was pretty. We touched good. on a lot of good things. Yeah, got a lot good going on right now. This is a this is a fun time to be a local sports journalist, right? You got everything yep. coming up. Uh, it's a lot. You look at the calendar and you're like, whoa! But uh, it's fun to kind of. Uh, see it all and this is one championships oh forgot I want to mention one more thing Northridge girls tennis beat Penn on Monday night that's a good win for them that you don't that's a under that's a top 20 uh Northridge team our top 25 Northridge team Penn was ranked number nine they're now 14th but top 10 Penn team Penn's a great program always been a consistent threat to go to state so shout out the Raiders nine and0 in girls tennis uh they're four and0 in the NLC it's a team, man. I mean, they're the. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but the path is there for them to make it to semi-state at least, and potentially play a homestead type team in semi-state. And watching them play last night, they got good players at all five positions. I'm not saying Northridge is going to make it to state, but they got a puncher's chance to make it to state. Like this is not a. This team is legit. Six of the six of the seven players are seniors. They know what they're doing, and their sophomore player is a stud as well. She went 6-3, 6-love last night. So, like, she knows what she's doing. Um, shout out Northridge Girls Tennis. Just want to get that in there before I forget. Yes. That will do it for this edition of the Ghost News Sports Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap another busy week of high school sports and preview championship season in high school Indiana sports. We will be back to